Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinema de More. I'm your host, Chuck, joined by Justin and Lexi. We're wrapping up our discussion of Catherine Bigelow with her most recent film, uh, which is already five years old at this point, which is Detroit. As we've already discussed, she is not a very prolific filmmaker in her almost 40 year career does not uh takes her takes her time with these so so that was what uh hurt locker was 2008 and zero dark 30 was i think 2013 2012 2013 12 2012 bin laden died 2011 so it came out the year after yeah they had had to strike while that was hot while people were still thinking about that and then uh then yeah we got detroit i'd say i enjoyed it uh, but i don't think I, I definitely wouldn't say it's her best. I'd still, I still think maybe, maybe I'd say Hurt Locker might be her best, most accomplished film. Like I think Zero Dark Thirty is okay. I think that one gets a bit. I think she's, she gets, she's starting to get too much between Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, and this. I don't know, man. There, Point Break's parts, a masterpiece. Well, Point Point Break, I almost consider so separate. Like Point Break's amazing, but not, not as like a perfect film i would say or i guess i would say she just got better at making films by the time she got to hurt locker like point break still works very very well well the my the markable period which is this which is what yeah which is what we're into now which is that's fair she just really likes i don't know she really likes his stuff i don't know if he's writing that new film that she's working on she's not it's david cope it's based on his his own novel so maybe that'll be a little bit a little bit different because i feel like I feel like she has kind of the same problem in all three of these films, which I guess might be from him (laughs) is there's definitely there's sections that are some of the best filmmaking. And then there's other parts of these movies that are just like, uh, what are you even doing? And the characters are the characters. I feel like progressively got flatter and flatter from Hurt Locker to this. Like, I I think the characters, you only get a little nothing goes super in depth into any of their backgrounds in Hurt Locker. Like they're they're still very surface level. They're not super deep. Like at the end of the movie, we really don't know anything more about Anthony Mackie than when we started. You kind of, you know who he is at the beginning, and that's who he is at the end. And even well, even like Zero Jeremy Dark Renner, like, like Zero Dark Thirty point A to point B to point C to point D. Yeah, it's literally like dominoes. They basically like wrote it in reverse. I'm assuming where what are the series of events of how we figured out where to Bin, Bin Laden, Laden was? Yeah, it's yeah, it's very much like a by the books. And this film, I think, follows, like, keeps going in that direction where I think the there's three distinct sections of the film. There's pretty much, like, before the the motel, the entire middle section that's at the motel, and then the, the third act, which is the aftermath. And I feel like the strongest section of the film is the hotel, and everything before is not that interesting. Like, it's it doesn't weird. really build too much. And then everything after is also very, like almost feels unnecessary only because and i'm not not even gonna like get to the end right now but it's kind of like i i almost knew what the end was gonna be almost more or less just because i was like well yeah it was the 60s in detroit like i kind of knew how that was story was gonna end like you didn't have to i didn't need another half an hour to tell me that nothing was gonna happen and no one was gonna no one's going right. to jail. like like so the middle section in the hotel is like the best part of the film that's the most interesting part of the film but again i I think when i got done with this movie my biggest thing was i don't know who any of these characters are even by the end of that film like they were all just very much archetypes of 
specific types of characters that you're supposed to see in this type of film. I feel like there was room somewhere to maybe give any of these characters depth. And I don't know, they were just more interested in the the scenario itself, which again is a, it's, it's an interesting story. And that middle section in the, in the hotel is very interesting, but I guess. Yeah, like who's the strongest character? You have the most backstory on the the R&B singer because it's, yeah the singers are like kind of i guess supposed to be the main characters but all i mean their backstory is literally the guy's a singer and i think the other guy's his cousin and that's like their manager or something i stay very very the guy's a bodyguard unclear as to, I, I think he was joking when he said that's my bodyguard oh. i don't think that was actually i think that was like a joke of like who's this with you that's my bodyguard like i think that was a joke i literally just think he's like i friend took it or something. like all right that's his bodyguard i want to i don't think so i'm pretty sure that i'm pretty sure that kid's younger than he was i think it was i think it's yeah just like but it reminds me friend. of like the pictures you see of jason momoa and they're like his bodyguards and they're like very small guys <laughs> they're like they're really yeah. protecting him i don't think that i don't think that was i think i think you missed the joke on that one but was it a joke like i'm, I'm pretty sure it was jokes a joke. in this movie yeah that, that was about the only joke you get because uh, Will Porter's character Kraus, or you don't really get much of a backstory for him. The only yeah. thing that you you that they add to that character is they let you know that he's a loose cannon. Yeah, because he shoots that's, somebody. That's about all you get. Is he, it now the, he shoots somebody in the back. There's no issues really with it, and his boss is essentially like, "We might file murder charges." Yeah, basically, Kraus, I'm going to recommend. <laughs> that's the main, like the main, the guy that's who Will shoots Porter's the kid in character. the street. Yeah, isn't isn't that guy? If I'm not mistaken, didn't he play like a lot of school bullies in like from like no, uh, he comedies? Looks like Sid from Toy Story. Is that is that all it is? Okay, he does look exactly like Sid from Toy Story. So I was like, didn't he play like a lot of bullies in um like you know those like rom coms from like the '90s, like the late '90s, early 2000s? Oh no, I don't no. even think he was around in the '90s. Like, he's, he's, he he's am I thinking around. of a different kid? Because he looks just like the bullies. Kid, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought he's he was in She's kid. All That. This kid's British. No. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. He is a kid. Will, I think he's I think he's only like probably only like 24, 25 or something like that. Will Porter, he was in the Maze Runner movies. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. He, he yeah, was yeah. In a comedy I think with Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, we're the Millers. I like the Maze Runner movies. He's that meme that everyone sees that's like the You guys are getting paid for this? He was in the one dark anthology game that I played, Little Hope. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else he's. he's a, I, I yeah, think he's, he's a, a solid actor. I really do. Yeah. yeah, he is. He was good. He yeah. He manages to be scary for not having enough like muscle. He like he seems so unhinged that he would yeah. definitely hurt people. That, that uh, other I don't guy know. That's, uh, that's his the the other the Transformers guy. The Transformers guy. Yeah, because I can't think of my, I, everything he's in. Um, I don't know. Midsummer. Yeah, he's in Midsummer. That's right. He's <laughs> he's in the bear in Midsummer. <laughs> Um, he, he just seemed he's, dumb. Like he, I don't yeah, understand his, it's him. his face. His face. He has a dumb face. Like I don't know how else to put it. But like it feels like his eyes are spaced too far apart. Like he he's like actually a, a good face. actor. I've seen him in yeah, other he, stuff. I, he he's good, but he just he his face just looks dumb. Like he, he yeah he. That's why I feel like in Midsummer he works because he automatically just looks like the bully boyfriend that's like not very supportive because it's just his face automatically looks like that as soon as i mean as they, he is dumb because he's supposed to do a fake execution oh yeah will polter's in midsummer i don't know why we just like skipped over that that they're both in that film who else is in midsummer isn't will polter in 
in mid Oh yes, yes, he's, he he's is. one. Of, he's the friend that doesn't want her to go. He's the one that's like, it's like she's gonna ruin our whole trip, guys. Like I don't know why. You're why didn't we her. think like, about that? I know. That's I was really like, funny. I was like, why didn't we put that there both? In that we got the more together. obscure actor. We're like, he's yeah. in midsummer. Yeah. So yeah, we've done two midsummer episodes. We should know better. Yeah, we really should. We've talked about this enough. Uh, but yeah, that the whole opening sequence, I actually really like that opening animated sequence. Like it was a really cool, like it, the that art style that was I, the I, African art it, style. I, yeah, it, like it looked yeah. really cool. Like I kind of liked that they opened with that. Like, it kind of made it interesting, and then we immediately go into seeing what it what's going on in the in Detroit there. Yeah, there's riots in a lot of different cities and Detroit's one of the biggest ones because they were they were just heavily segregated. Like that's the only I like opening the setup of the of how the races were where all the African Americans basically for freedom went north into the cities and then a lot of the Caucasians in the cities went into the suburbs like yeah, they dispersed. Out. I don't think this movie's in her wheelhouse. I I think it's not a movie I would give to African Americans. <laughs> like, it's fine, but it's definitely not. It doesn't grasp. What do you mean you wouldn't it. wouldn't give it to African Americans? They didn't. Uh, they gave it to Catherine Bigelow. I, well, I mean, like, I don't think it's a respectful film. Like, I don't think it's done well. I think it tries, but I think it focuses too much on the white perspective of things, which I understand that they're they're demonized in the film, but then they're also not. Like, there's there's like. I'd say it's know. pretty 50-50. Like you definitely like uh, Will Porter's character is definitely like throwing he's off like, all those modern conservative vibes. This movie is shot like a horror movie. Like yes. uh, it's, it's shot actually, exactly like a horror film. Like it's shot like a two thousands era um, no, 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 like like someone trapped. You know, like when people are like, you know, a bunch of kids go somewhere and they think they're staying at like a tour like a like a hotel and then like the guy who runs the hotel is crazy and like it makes me think of Straw Dogs, really. It it has like the same kind of build up to that that horror when it gets into your home. It, like, it's even like with them like lining up against the walls, and when they have the uh, the people outside that are trying to get, like every it it really reminds me of that. So when you said it reminds you of horror, I think horror is probably the secret genre. I think it when starts... you thought you had horror and you had near dark it ended, ended up being a, a western and a romance well but this but like, seems like it's about the historical drama and they're like nope it's a horror film let's see that's that's that do it not based on like real events like it is still she changes based things she keeps changing she does things. which i get like it's not 100 percent based on it but like there is some importance to the story and i think with the right director the story could have been told right but i feel like with what we have here like it's a it's a horror movie like it starts out like a purge film like those long shots those big shots like a purge film a lot of like riding Never in a saw car a purge movie. and then it and then it when it goes to the hotel it flips to like french horror like where they're like like think of like a it's God, actually detroit motown horror no but it's not like the way it's shot and the way that the characters are handling the scenes like it's more the first Done. horror aspect is that the guy that wants to sing isn't allowed to sing. His dreams are crushed. The characters are not strong in it. And, like, really, the characters are not relevant because it's about the horror of the scenario, which is fine. But there's a way to tell and shoot stories like this and not make them like a horror movie. 
because like there was one point in this i was like damn this is just like watching a horror movie like hardcore like like i said like something like that one with the australian guy that like took a bunch of tourists and like shit like that like those 2000s era ones where they were basing them on like real stories where people were taken away and fucked with and shit like that tourista shit like that like you sound like you're you're describing detroit though of what happened during the riots i mean i'm not gonna say well that's just it the the riots were obviously a horror and there was a lot of horror going on in those things but that story is not a horror movie it's a horrible story i probably would have cut out besides that animation that catches us up to the time i probably would have cut out that initial or that last straw uh party that started the like started the main riots and maybe just had the riots already starting because i don't think we see the main character until well john boyega how do you say his name yeah john boyega you don't even see him till like 20 25 minutes into the movie yeah and his character is he, like he's an important, I would say placeholder, but he's not that interesting of a character. Probably my biggest thing is like I feel like she wastes the cast in this film because like again, Will Poulter feels like he's basically he feels like he's the main character because he has he has the most screen yeah, time. Yeah, I agree with you. And he has the most he has the most lines. Like John Boyega spends almost this entire film just kind of like lurking in the background, looking, and then he gets fucked nervous. for lurking in the background. Yeah, yeah, basically, and it's like. But I'm like, I'm like, what was the point of hiring John Boyega to just stand in the background? I was more interested in everyone hates Chris, who just took off with all the. He's like shot in the back, and then, uh, (laughs) sir, what are you doing under my car? (laughs) Anthony Mackie, who obviously she wanted to work with again, so it's like, you know, I get why'd you hire Anthony Mackie to just have him get hit in the face a bunch of times and that's basically it, like run away, yeah, and and his character doesn't do anything. Like, uh, why'd you? Why'd you even bother? I I guess obviously you want the best actors, but again, that almost is like my question. They're of following what did, the historical events. But what did what did Anthony really Mackie characterizing read them well. read in that script? That right. Go like I want to play that character. That yeah, I mean, doesn't it was do probably anything. the paycheck. To be honest, like there's yeah. too there's too much mixing of I'm creating my own narrative and I'm using a real story and the real story is an important story because after i watched this movie i had to ask questions right when i started reading about the actual case you're like man this movie is like just so sensationalized like that's the thing it just like blows everything up and takes it to this crazy place and i can get sort of what you're trying to do but like you've said like the movie starts with us focused on the white officers who are driving around being scumbags. And then we get a lot of time with them. And I, there was one point at the start of the movie, I was like, is this movie focused on the white people during the riots? Or like, is it going to talk about like the African American communities and the riots? And then it cuts this like story about the, the singers. And I went, Oh, like you said, 25 minutes into this movie. I'm like, now the movie's starting. Now we're at like where we need to be. But it really like, didn't start then. But like, so it like, doesn't start till they get off the bus and get to that hotel. So yeah, but so there's a bunch of ex like exposition that doesn't lead anywhere because it's like, what's the point of any of this? Or I, I guess like at the ending, I don't want to like just go right into it, but like, don't hold he, on. It, it does break him like as a person, and he's never really capable of going back to his career. But like, I don't know. I guess they tried really hard to show us the importance of the singing to him, but then. 
I, I think like it's irrelevant to the story at the end of the day. And so like they try to come back around to it again at the end of the film, but like, it's really not relevant to the story. Like the story is these officers doing these terrible things. And then like, it just has like a well, terrible I mean, the ending. End, the end result is that the events that didn't have to happen broke him as a human being. Right. So the end movie just ends with this tragic man, like hiding for the rest of his life because he just can't function. And then he ends up singing in a church choir. I took it like he lost his soul, kind of like he lost his, uh, he lost the, the hopes and dreams. I, but you Not know, that he was like in fear, but he was just, there, wasn't there, important to him anymore there's a proper way to build this character like this movie is not undoable i think like maybe once again i just don't think it was in the right hands like one thing i've been proven this month and going back and discussing like the films that i am familiar with with her her strong points are pov filming styles action sequences and she's really really good with like war subject matter she's shown like a real knack for the war films like zero dark 30 and the Hurt Locker are like two of her strongest films. And then like, even like when I go back and look at Point Break, like Point Break is a masterwork of like action film. Like it's a really, really good movie. So it's just like, she makes like a poor script work really well with Point Break. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just ridiculous. And well, and makes it fun and she does make it like Hurt Locker push up the drama. Hurt Locker could be an absolute piece of shit in the wrong hands. Like that movie could be like such a garbage film. Like she really, brought it all together i was genuinely interested in what was going on in that movie i wanted to watch the next bomb defusal i wanted to see where these characters were going and detroit it's like it tries to start in the middle of something it doesn't really have a good job of executing like what we need to and the thing is is that you needed to either focus on the story of this hotel and just make the film about that and the whole film around that and spend a bit more time developing the two main characters that you wanted to develop so that we have a better relationship with them going into this and an understanding of how important things are so that when we get to this point in the hotel, the riot stuff could have been going on and announced over the radio and shit like that while things are going on in the background. So you have like an awareness that this is going on during like major riots, but she chose to start the film focusing on the riots. So I was like, okay, this movie is about the Detroit riots. But then it's not. It's about this hotel. And I'm like, then the movie should have been called This Hotel's Name. I forget the hotel's right, like name. Like they could have had, they could have easily had uh, the story about a cop that, you know, shot somebody in the back. And you don't have to see it, but you kind of get the vibe that it's probably this Will Porter character that's out of control. Right. I like do you notice, could... though, there is one common thread, though, with her based on true stories K19, uh, Zero Dark 30, and this. She seems to be a little bit weaker because she wants to tell. She feels like all aspects of the real events are important, but she does change things too. So that kind of confuses me. Like she makes. Well, yeah. If you're gonna start that... altering stuff, then don't call it like I don't know, man. Like, I, like if well, I that's didn't not her. know everything's based on true events, they're like. Well, but if I didn't direct... know that this was her going into this movie, this would have been one of those. Oh God, the movie was a piece of shit, and I just would have never put it all together like it's really she truly I don't is think it's mix. bad i wouldn't call it a bad I, movie i would call it a bad movie uh, i think it's calling it a bad movie which is i also fine, think but... it's i also think it's a disrespectful movie because of the what? way that it's handled why is it disrespectful 
because she's the wrong person to be telling this story. Well, who she would be the right, right Sp- person? Spike Lee. <laughs> Imagine Spike Lee did this movie. This would be a, such a good movie. You would be like so impressed with it because he would have told the story right. He would have done it proper. And I know like it's an easy person to go to for this, but like he's right for it. He's the right person to tell the story. He would have done it right. He would have done it proper. And I just like... I think it kind of leads into the idea of Catherine Bigelow does not care <laughs> like what story... No one's going to tell her that she can't make the movie that she wants to make. That I agree with 100%. She, yeah, she 100% is people be like, I don't think you should be making this because you're a woman. I don't think you should be making this because you're white. And she's like, I'm, I'm making the fucking movie, guys. I got Mark writing the script. I'm already, so I'm already planning this thing out. You went and got like the whitest guy ever and then got her and you went and tried to tell like a really important African American story and you didn't bring any representation in to work on the film or help with the film. I mean, a lot of people trust her and I feel like they, I don't feel like they were necessarily wrong. Like, yeah, Anthony Mackie was wasted, but he obviously trusts her. He's worked with her before and he's coming back. So this is a, this is a guy that has read the script and thought that it was in good hands with her. They're not, I'm not questioning the writing team, like this goes back to again, like I'm not questioning her as a director. I've been proven repeatedly that well, she's I mean, competent. You have a right writer, writer and a, a white director, and you have a lot of like you have a well, at least two very well known African American, you know, actors that have signed up for this. But you're telling a real life story that the African African American community knows and would have familiarity with. And you're telling it from a strange perspective. You're not really going about it like in a historically accurate. I don't think she succeeds, but I definitely think that she wanted a dual perspective. Not necessarily that that she believes in Krauss's point of view, but she's like trying to give him a point of view and give the R&B singer a point of view. And give this security, like overnight security guy point of view. But like we discussed, they get lost. Like... The security yeah. guy just like I have no idea what the hell's going on. Even with like he finds the National Guard and he befriends them by giving them coffee. Like, it it's weird when everything starts going down at the hotel. Yeah. Why didn't like, he just use his lightsaber? Like, they're like, I'm just out of this. He's I'm not, not a Jedi. He but he knows how to wield one. He can wield anything. Yeah. He's, he he's found the lightsaber. And, he's been scarred by being a stormtrooper. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was like, he, that, that's that's probably the again like I feel like the biggest waste. But I I guess they I don't know they just wanted to like include him or had to I don't know because uh, he was yeah, when excellent. You like, when you like research the yeah like more of the story and it even kind of like mentions it in the in kind of like the follow up at the end with the, in the closing credits. Like I think he was kind of the only person that was really around that they could ask about it. Like it seems like everyone else like the the character that anthony mackie's portraying they said like they don't know where that guy really went and they don't know where a lot of those other people the the other the three cops kind of just moved on and a couple of them passed away so it's like uh, it's the same reason you love hacksaw ridge because they had the guy to talk to (laughs) i I like that that's what he he says like he he says the movie's 99.5 percent accurate and i'm like well 
I feel like you would say that because I think you were like the only one that they could really go to to ask questions about it. So everything's very, it, it's might be slightly skewed towards your point of view as to what was happening there. That's all he does is just like walk around in the background. And at the end, it, there, there, there comes a point where he doesn't even like exit the film. He just like, I think they close the door on him when he's still outside and then he just never comes back in. So he's like, then you don't see him again until he's getting arrested after everything like they don't even I mean I almost the expected them to turn on him and him to be like with everyone else kind of he was the best character in the movie his acting was excellent he was my favorite character to follow I love the guy with the starter pistol I thought he was fantastic <laughs> he got shot real quick easy he did get shot really really quick and he I don't know I just like that he had the starter pistol I like the whole th- like the idea that he just thought that this whole thing was a joke and like when he's shooting at them out the window and he's like now they know what it feels like and he's the the ultimate demise of of basically everything that goes down because everybody's just so fucking pissed off it really does feel like a horror movie when you get to the hotel part like once they're all confined against the wall and don't have the ability to move it's all like tight shots and like the dead body on the floor that everybody keeps walking over that like makes you uncomfortable and like i don't know i think I know like 10 people walk in at throughout the two and a half hour movie and they see him on the floor and they're like fuck but then they don't do anything they just like yeah. they're just like momentarily scared i also like how many times they put a knife down next to somebody to be like frame <laughs> them they just have extra he's like knives. shit i don't have any knives do you have a knife he's like no I did say like the the one thing I did uh, like I very much saw coming was that somebody was good when they were like uh, they're pretending to shoot the guys and then being like the fake, like, sec- no, the no, fake stay down and I'm things. like and I'm like so which one's the guy that's like actually gonna kill somebody like because I like you just got the sense that that was gonna happen because they kept doing it like the first guy does it and the second guy does it then he then he like he he like makes sure he's like playing along with the the national guard guy he's like you want to take one and then like kind of like winks at him like and the guy's like like he saw him do that so he's like uh yeah that's what i'm gonna do and he like and he does the exact same thing in the room and then i'm like i'm like so who's gonna be the guy that's like actually gonna gonna do it because i i know that's where this is like leading to that that they're gonna send one of these guys that like isn't in the room right now in and there he with shocks him. will porter's character he's like he's like i didn't like, think it, yeah i didn't think it would feel that way and he's like he's like what and he's like yeah man like I'm shaking. I like that how he's was, like, we just got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> what? Why would we leave? Because he actually killed somebody. Yeah, that, that was like, that, that was one of like the weirdest scenes when he comes back out of the room and he's like, he's like, Will Poulter's like still trying to play along and he's like, yeah, man, feels good to get your first kill, right? And he's like, no, I think I'm going to throw up. That was, that was crazy. And he's just like, what? And like, he starts like getting that real concerned look like. <laughs> like, like you're not that good of an actor. Yeah. yeah like, uh, what, what are you talking about, man? And he's like, I didn't think there'd be that much blood all over the walls. He's like, uh, I think I need to go into the room and see what happened. I did, the communication between those main three police officers is just so poor. They're supposed to have each other's backs, but they don't. They don't communicate well throughout the entire movie. Yeah. You have that issue, and then you have the thing towards the end where they're like, "So we told them nothing, right?" And he's like looking at him like, "Oh fuck, guys, we weren't supposed to tell yeah. them." Well, first he's like, "Cause they knew like the cause the one guy that the guy that actually killed him." He's like, he's like, I know you feel like you should say something, but definitely don't say anything. And he's like, okay, I won't. And then when he comes out, he's like, I knew you were going to rat me out. And he looks at the other guy. And he's like, you did it too? Like, like, come on. You, everyone's ratting me out. He's like, 
he just runs out to his car because like he's he's just like i'll just drive away in this cop car and no one will notice that i've that i'm driving around and they, they won't be able to find me in this very noticeable cop car in the middle of detroit that guy just comes out and like snags him I do like the, the detective at the beginning that said we might have to file murder charges because he's like, hey, there's this guy that's dead. They said a cop shot him. He's like, I, I didn't hit anybody. He's like, I mean, I shot he's in like, his direction. Are you sure? He's like, yeah, okay, maybe I grazed him a little bit, but, you know, shit happens. It's a shockingly depressing film. There's, like, no positives throughout the entire thing, like... You're watching these characters in the house be tortured by these guys, and you're asking yourself, like, you know, when you watch most horror movies, how would I handle this situation? And you're like, police officers, and there are police officers outside as well, and this is how they're handling the situation. You don't say a fucking thing. You just go along with it. You don't have an option. And it's like, that's the scariest part. I mean, some of them go along with it, and they still get killed. You know, the guy that got shot in the back, he was going along with it. And that's the thing is that, you have to go along with it. You don't really have an option in this case. And like you very well are probably just going to die. So like most horror movies, like you don't really have a way out. It's, it's kind of really depressing. Cause like, there's no with it pacing. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but if it, where it's pacing, like a horror movie, then you get that feeling of wanting to feel some sort of like, you know, closure or like something that makes you feel like, horror movies don't usually give you closure though horror movies are like the horror is still out there i mean mean, like slasher movies i feel like i feel like i'd almost like like this leans closer to like a texas chainsaw massacre yeah exactly where like where like at the end the the guy gets killed or something that was based on true events yeah (laughs) yeah in much the same way as like very incredibly loosely but yeah that that's that's what i I would agree with just made it up on texas chainsaw massacre there wasn't based off of anything they said it was it's, based on Ed Gein, and I'm like Ed Gein, which is like the loosest. It's like ever. It's so very loose. loose. That's is, just like, yeah, like a serial killer movie. He was he was a killer, and it's like, yep, that's what it's based off of. Like, yeah. but yeah, I feel I have like the same thought as like the whole last. It gets to the end of the the hotel section when they let some of the people go, but they kill the one the one kid because he like refuses to say that he's not going to tell the the cops when they let him out. And then I like I'm like looking I'm like this movie still has like half an hour thirty five minutes to go yeah like, what's the rest of this movie gonna be yeah. and I was like you know, yeah. watching, even knowing uh, all that our movies be... together back to back Zero Dark Thirty did the same thing it it's moving so fast until it gets to the night that they're gonna kill As, uh, Osama they literally it's like a forty five minute sequence from the moment that they know that yeah. they're gonna kill him and then it starts getting real slow I'm like we skipped over in like the first two hours we skipped over years uh, year yeah several years and then you literally get to like real time and at just the end draw out. yeah which I, that's how that's how it felt and it's like in this film yeah that last half hour and again i kind of you kind of know that's again you know that's how this film is going to end you know none of those guys are going to jail like i didn't even have to read the story before i saw the movie i'm like oh it's 1960s like these guys are 100 gonna gonna not go to jail right. of course they didn't it's it's one of those it's like it's like well, when it's someone kinda... when someone tells you like yeah. the Derek Chauvin trial is like the first time that a that a cop's gone to jail for murdering somebody. I'm like, well, then I know how this movie ends because it's certainly not with these three cops going to jail. Right. So in real life, the three cops that it's based off of, one of them died on September 11th, and the other two are in jail, but I don't know what they're in jail for. Probably for yeah, probably just for unrelated right offenses. I'm sure. And uh, yeah, I know well, they they sued the and... John Boyega character. 
the ending, like, drag, not only is it an additional half hour, but it's like an additional half hour of really hammering home how you much like of Chris a fuck Boy, you. You got him. Do you like John Krasinski? You got him. Yeah, like, random, it's like, randomly showing up at the end there. It's like you could have ended the film with the kid like running off into the woods kind of thing and like knowing that he's never going to see his friend again and like kind of just end it there but like you have to spend an additional half hour and being like by the way the cops totally got off and this guy his life's totally shit and it's just like i I feel like wow if they were gonna the way to end it i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't have even i wouldn't have even shown the cops or john boyega after the hotel part like i would have only done like 10 or 15 minutes of the singer and like showing that the consequences because his that feels like that's the most impactful like right. obviously like the way he carried that and those scenes i actually liked when it would like go to him like he's trying to record the the music and like he he doesn't understand like why no one gets why he's like not into it anymore and like he goes to see him perform and he's just like, you know, you perform in front of segregated audiences. Like, why do you do that? And then at the end when he's like, you know, the only thing that that guy tells him, like, I think you're too overqualified to be a choir director. And he's like, that's, this is like the only thing I have. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to, I just want to sing, but I, I want to do it for this, not for, not to get paid to, to, you know, go out in front of an audience of people that don't even like me or something like that. Like, I just want to do this. Like, those were like I would have just continued at that and then not even right. not even done the whole trial sections because again that was that was the more obvious of like yeah of course all those guys are gonna go in they're all gonna get like discredited as witnesses and be like oh well you've but you're you have a long arrest record so you're not reliable witness and oh you had your back to the your your face against the wall like you probably couldn't even see what was going on and like they wouldn't allow the testimony because they they said they were getting threatened so it was like that was the whole part that i was like i was like yeah cut all of that out that felt like completely unnecessary and just show like the impact on that one character of like yeah this was yeah like, the worst night of his life and like it's it's haunting him through the rest of his life i i feel like that would like have been it- a, a much a much more a little bit more satisfying of an ending of just that. And then of course you can get the title card. That's like, Oh yeah. And by the way, like no one went to jail, like pretty much everyone just got away with this and no one questioned them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways you can cut this film down for pacing and you can really hone it down and focus it, change the title, make it the name of the hotel, make it about the hotel, make it about a night there and like cut out all the starting stuff and like all the other extra stuff and just, like you said, it's some title cards and some things will get this point across. You got a nice hour and a half film. There's a lot of shit to cut out. So the first 20 minutes of this movie could be cut out. It's literally just driving around in cars, looking at people riot in the streets, which yeah. if that's the movie you want it to make, you can make a two hour f- film about the riots in Detroit. But like you didn't make that movie. You started making that movie and then 20 minutes into it went, oh, I make a movie about this instead. And then like went eh, and then changed it again, like somewhere else at the end and like started trying to go back to making like a period piece. And it's like you could have just made this and it would have been fine. But even that story, I still don't think that she respectfully told either. Like, I just don't think it's a very good example of this kind of movie. I think there are better examples out there to ask me what example of one i, I don't can't think give you that one. she's disrespectful i think i agree with chuck though that it's the focus the focus is the biggest issue uh they should have focused on less characters and they should have left more to the imagination like 
Yeah, that's a huge waste of the budget to have all these destroyed. They probably just went and filmed in actual Detroit currently, but all the destroyed buildings and houses and stuff from the riots. It's it's like, I mean, at the very least, maybe had them protesting, rioting when they attacked the bus. You know, I like yeah, starting. Like that, that almost is like, yeah, that's almost like where the movie should start is like from them. Like it almost should start with tell us there's riots going on. Start out in the theater. And then, you know, them saying like, oh, the streets are too dangerous. Everyone has to leave and go straight to the bus and them getting to the hotel. Like that's almost where the movie should start, which is, yeah, like half an hour into the film. Yeah. And then cut out all the I mean, at the end, they're still telling you like what happened to the characters after the fact. So why even show the trial? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just end it on that night. I, I wouldn't even show that kid get shot at the end like we were talking about. I, I would just literally have it. Well, it wouldn't be ambiguous because I think the end of the movie would be like, by the way, this character was murdered. But yeah, it could have been done in a more creative, ambiguously haunting way. Yeah, which which I guess would have been like almost it almost really should be one of those. And again, I feel like this is one where you get to saying you're doing based on a true story of when you start showing things that no one else was there for that you never got because obviously the only people that were there were the cops and the kid that they shot so no one was actually there so that's when you start getting into like that's where people call into question of like well how would you know like nobody nobody ever testified that that's what happened so you're you're already like just making assumptions and saying like well we're pretty sure this is how it happened and then it's you're like opening yourself up to to the criticism of like well so how much else did you make up and like add into the film that nobody actually said happened or is very conflicting testimonies from different people. Like once you're adding things that very clearly you made up for the film that no one else witnessed, it's like, you're just opening yourself up to that criticism. It's like that well, open water movie. Not open people water, were eaten the by the shark. Water. No, no, no. no she, he's, she's talking about the open water where like, they're just guessing that those people actually got eaten by sharks. Like there's no actual proof. Yeah. That that's what happened to them. It's like in, in all likelihood, they probably just drowned at some point. I was going to legit there. bring up the weight of water though, because that story that Catherine Bigelow directed, there's a story in the past where a guy got convicted of a murder and the present day people were like, mm, I don't think it happened that way. This is how I think it happened. And the way they figure it out is, I mean, they have some documents and stuff, but it is exactly speculation, which I think is funny because really all of her stories end up being speculation, I feel. Because isn't um, the events of Zero Dark Thirty were supposed to be as accurate and she had access to all this information? Yeah, I thought it was then, supposed to be spot on. And then and she I worked with the agents who did it and stuff to make it right. Yeah, but I think years later they said he didn't get killed that way or something. That's not surprising. I do like the I do like that I do like that movie though. I do like how they're the way of calling out the terrorists or they just start saying their names. They're just like wait in the corner and they're just like Osama and they just like waits from the around the corner. I know. I'm big loot out. I watched all her movies. Uh I do have high hopes for her next one, Aurora. That is coming out to Netflix, on Netflix, I believe. I don't know who's in it, but it kind of has a sci-fi base to it. It has something to do with uh, all the power going out. I don't know if it's the oh, whole that world movie. or just America. I guess it's supposed to be the whole world. What do you mean, oh, that movie? There's not even a trailer for it or anything. No, I heard about that it's being made. I didn't realize it was her. Uh, but yeah, she goes back to female protagonist. I don't know who it'll be. Big question, but at least it's a step away from Mark Bull, who 
I don't think he's a terrible writer. I don't think he compliments her all that well. And maybe that's not even a great statement because I agree with Chuck. I think her best movie is The Hurt Locker. She has a lot of good movies. She's got some duds too, for sure. But um, yeah, you got to change it up a little bit. This period of time, I think, is has got to be over. Well, I know I'm not interested in watching any more of that stuff. And that the films that have been coming out about it recently have been really kind of focusing on the damage of the soldiers more than the war itself. That's going to be our next movie, Burn Pits. Yeah, sure get on that one. She, yeah, now she has to go to Netflix. Because I know this, I know Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty both did well, but Detroit was like not didn't do well financially which uh, it I think, looked like, really generic i think the that's what they blamed like like, yeah, like the did. trailer wasn't interesting it the has, title like, was it has, not yeah, interesting the, the title was just detroit like you they they have like big stars but like they didn't i don't know maybe they were nervous about like trying to sell it too hard on being like the new film with anthony what Mackie year? and john boyega 2017 this is 2017 okay yeah. i was gonna say the covid hurt this movie no, so it wasn't covid's bad. fault it's just like i think it was just uh, yeah okay. this was bad bad advertising and like like i said i don't know if they just did yeah the ads were terrible for it like end a watch or like 20 million other it looked like just a cop movie it looked more like that it again that yeah that looked more like the focus of the film was it was just like a cop movie and like you know almost feels like the i feel like when i saw those trailers it almost like felt like it was supposed to make you be like oh what happened to these cops like did they get attacked or something like that like it almost made did make them seem like and again i think it goes back to i think all they had in that trailer were like will polter's lines because he's the only one that has a lot of lines in the film so like you set it up and made it look like it was a cop movie like you didn't and i make thought it john biego bago was a cop too yeah well yeah because he has that uh yeah because he has the, <laughs> the security, the security guard, guard uniform you think he's like a soldier or a cop or something if you just watch the watch the trailer like i don't even think they show anthony mackie in the trailer at all so they like didn't even try to sell it with him in it that's some parts i would cut out all the stuff when he gets arrested and brought in and they're like interrogating him and trying to pin him on it and then putting him in jail i think i would have cut that out too then you have that girl from book smart uh catherine denvers or something And the one girl I had to look up because I I couldn't place her. She's I did the same thing. Yeah, like I was like, I know, I know she's from... in something. Yeah, and it, when it was like Gilly from Game of Thrones, I was like, oh, I was like, I knew I knew that girl. Uh, also, not used to her seeing her not wearing like a bra. not wearing a sack. <laughs> yeah, and having like matted <laughs> hair. Yeah. How the fuck does John Boyega just get out of jail? Like they never go into any of that. Like they, he's just like suddenly like not in jail and they did this whole thing of putting See, him in this jail, is why they went farther like, because you had questions <laughs> but then, but then they, they raise the questions and don't answer them yeah i was gonna say they made the fucking questions it wasn't my fault <laughs> yeah i one thing too with her movies they they the first couple you get like a good hour and a half but then she goes like she keeps getting longer that. and longer Everything's like two and a half, like uh, Strange Days, I think is too long. It needs cut a little bit. And Zero Dark Thirty is the worst. It's almost three hours long. Oh, my God. That's becoming like, that's becoming like that a now. problem with uh, And I, I don't even think I don't think she's the one that not obviously didn't start it. But no, it's like that is like a more recent thing of everything feels like it's getting long. It's not just like movies. It's the same argument yeah. that people make about like, everything. like, why are video games? Like, why do they have to be a hundred hours long? Like, oh, why dude, did, like I, I get it. I'm not I, kidding. I enjoyed red dead redemption too, but I mean, it did not need to be like a 60 hour long game. Like it's a fun game, but 
it's too long. I have like too big. 250 hours into Fallout 4. I have 250 hours into Fallout Skyrim's 3. Skyrim's like, like that. It's like a 200 yeah. hour game. Skyrim it's like if you just had like a vehicle in the game, it would save me some time. That's like people bitch. All these oh, places. that game is it's only a two, three hour game. Like that sounds like a perfect game. Honestly, like. Oh, my that, God. I know. Three hour game. Like, I'm like, I'm here for I it. I mean, and it pro- well more of it had to do with like that we were like everyone was playing together but like i've had more fun playing like ninja turtles that dude that like was the best to play with just a few people that was the best time or like what, it was so much fun when me and justin played like it takes two that took us like three gaming sessions of like a couple hours like i feel like a game was probably only like maybe six to eight hours total and that was way more fun yeah. than anything i've played that's like me sitting alone by myself putting in a hundred hours just to be like Yay, I'm level 99 now. Like, did I win the game yet? Nope, you're dead. Yeah. No, everything's too long. But yeah. And, and it's, I mean, TV shows are long too. Like, I remember <clears throat> when shows that had an hour long format were a rarity. Like, for your show to be like an hour long, it was like a soap opera or like. Oh, with streaming, they're like, like hour 20 major. with no commercials. Yeah. yeah. And it's like now one episode of a TV show, like, what was. The, the most recent Stranger Things was like the last episode. Stranger of Things, like a yeah. Length movie. The worst thing. They're all the like two last hours season of like Sons episodes. of Anarchy. Oh my god! That was like every episode was like ninety minutes without the commercials. I'm like FX, yeah. you have to calm the. It's like it feels like it's you're getting more and more of like somebody somebody somewhere is saying like, well, we had to justify why we spent like hundreds of millions of dollars on this, so it needs to be. It needs to be longer. Like we need people to watch it more. We need to be able to sell more Blu-ray discs when it comes out because they have to buy like the five disc set to get it when they when it gets released. Like it's like it is like a struggle of it has to justify itself. Like if you made it, if you made a movie for ninety, that's only ninety minutes. Be like that was it. That was the whole movie. Like whoa. I mean, in where's August, the rest of it? I watched all Catherine Bigelow's movies, but I the only other two movies I watched were Prey and Men, and they were both under the two hour mark. I think. Yeah. And nice. they felt like they were, they both felt like the perfect runtime. <laughs> it's so nice to find things when they're short. Like that's one thing about, um, like I spend a lot of time on shutter and I'll look at movies that I have like saved to my list and I'll go through them and I'll just look at their runtimes. Or even like, some of those uh, TV shows. This one's 80 minutes. I'm going to watch this one because it's 80 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I want. I want, something in this short time frame so like when i see the run times like two hours even if it's interesting i'm like i'm out because like i want something in like a nice like 60 to 70 minute format honestly that's why i like adult swim i like 15 minute episodes of television those are perfect i mean at least television if even if the whole show is just hour after hour after hour, if it's like a 12 hour show it has stopping points like it has places that are convenient for you to leave the show for that right. time. And then these movies are like, like this is a prime example of, you know, even if you just cut it for time, we easily could make this a two hour movie, if not yeah. shorter. Or like, like Chuck said, you could maybe focus on the hotel and use a little bit more runtime that you've gained from cutting off the beginning and the end to like explore that idea of the guy that, you know, the musician. Cause I, I think he was the most interesting character and that would have been the way to go. Like show him like old and like he never became anything as opposed to the picture of, I can't remember what the name, what their, what was their band called? The again? dramatics. The dramatics. Yeah. Instead of being like, and he never joined the dramatics that took off in the seventies or whatever the hell it said. Yeah. They did have success. 
but he had no success. I I don't know. Yeah, no. it it'd be cool showing him as an old man, and his kids are like, "What's uh, the dramatics?" And he's like, "Oh shit, I you know I almost was a dramatic." And then he goes back to the story, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is not where I thought this story was going." Is <laughs> why he's not. A in the I'm band. sorry, Justin. The 90s are over, and we don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> Did you see the um, Hot Ones with Matt Damon? Yeah. No. Uh, they asked that. I don't. It's, there's a question going. It's there's the like two minute clip is on the internet, but they're talking about like why they don't make movies the way that they used to, and his like simplified answer is well, essentially. A movie could do bad in the box office and you knew the home video release was coming out in a couple months and it might be able to actually like save the film and get the film on top financially. But now with streaming, it's like they're definitely tailoring these movies completely different. They don't want to take it has to it has to make all the money in in the theaters or it makes no money whatsoever. Yeah, right. Which I, I mean, I think he's I think he's he is pretty much correct on that. And that's why I think it's everything is either going to be two and a half hour movie in the theaters that they're going to spend so much money on that. It's like this, this movie has to, has to succeed. There's no chance for failure or it just automatically by default is like, Nope, going straight to streaming. We're not even going to try with this one. Yeah. But these Netflix movies are bad. I think like, they're like 50, 50. There's good ones in there, but they're like, well, they're, I think the Irishman was them. good. I liked that one, like the Scorsese one, but I mean, everything else I've seen, I've seen big names. I see big directors go on there and you're like, okay, I like this actor or I like this director. And you go and you give it a shot and then you watch it and you're like, Jesus, fuck, man. I mean, that movie with Ryan Reynolds that um, Michael Bay directed, that is an incoherent Mm -hmm. mess. I've never seen such a bad film in my entire life. It's not even a movie. It's like baby's first like scene directing. Like that's all it is. It's just sequences. It's I mean, I, I've never seen such a poorly structured film in my entire life. I didn't see Army life, of the Dead, Michael but Bay. I didn't think Army of the Dead was Army of the Dead was the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. I mean, that was awful. You're very you dramatic. Watch, uh, Everything's watch, the worst thing. Did you watch you a ambulance? Oh, terrible. I, I haven't seen <laughs> That's it yet, but I do want one. to. I think that one went straight to... Was that one straight... No, that, I think... Was that one it in theaters? It was in theaters. It was in theaters for a little while, and then it went like straight to Peacock, and that's where I watched it, which I was like... Yeah, I'm glad I didn't pay money to go see that movie because it was it's it's another like like again it borders on like yeah incomprehensible as to like what you're even seeing on the screen. That's insane. I like, did it's like, like Roma it's such a, a lot. Waste of time. Roma was a good one. I thought. I they know that there's good stuff out there, but like you sh- you shouldn't have to. You sift really through have to sift through the, shit. Yeah, you really have to like. You, I like to, to find show. something good. My my Netflix show Archive eighty one. I watched that and I was like, I thought that turned out pretty good, and then they canceled it. <laughs> so I'm like, I have no idea what I have no idea what Netflix because they, they said they had everything. the viewership. It doesn't matter; they'll just cancel everything. Well, I'm surprised Resident like, Evil didn't stick around because it's like it seems like if it's bad, it gets another season. The fanboys were so mad about it, they basically shut it down. It's not good, but it also wasn't the worst thing I've seen. And it's that's weird sad. because I watched it and I was like, the ones with the. Uh, Mila Jovich, I was like, I think that these ones are more interesting, even though they're <laughs> like they don't follow the source material at all. But no, but I guess they're having fun with the movies at least. I had to look up online and see where this Resident Evil show even fit into the universe, and then they explained it to me, and I was like, <laughs> the internet explained why... it to you, and the internet's like, listen, and... Lexi, we're gonna tell you exactly how. Uh, once they explained it, I was like. All the fan service in the show made perfect sense to me. I was like, 
all right i guess i accept i can't fight it i i, I mean i just i can't i want to give like because when okay when netflix started I was really pleased with the content they were putting out. They were putting out a lot of really good content. They had a lot of good originals and I was really for it. And I don't know if they stretched themselves too thin or what it is, but like, I mean, they were like the source for like new animation. They were excellent for new animation. Bojack Horseman is a fucking great show. Like I, I, there's so much cause I like big mouth, but then like, Big Mouth spinoff series, a piece of shit, and like every other animated series, like you just keep getting like the same generic animated series coming out on Netflix. It's just it get they have so so much so many things now that it just gets buried. It's like a month, a, a month they'll release one thing that I might be interested in. So like for me to commit to paying a monthly fee for their streaming service for like I mean one thing one a month possible has thing, you paying for it right. If that, I mean, I don't even think that's true. I think I go like a couple months at a time before I'll go and I'll check it. I try to go in like at least once a week and check to see what's coming and what's You almost have to whatever. let somebody else find of... it for you. Like you have to wait till somebody yeah. else posts and they're like, like, hey, you should check this thing out that like they weren't even advertising on the front page of Netflix. Like I feel like like when people found Squid Game, like I never heard of that until randomly it just started popping up on Right. It was that people weekend. Like, like it came out yeah. and it kind of like exploded. Whoever, but like found, yeah, whoever found like it, like got it to like got people to watch it because like I I don't feel like Netflix like they didn't they obviously didn't advertise for it. It's like oh this random Korean show like yeah they just put it on most the of their Korean content's excellent. Yeah. That's the one thing they do have going for them is that with the American stuff having such a decline in quality, their Korean content has been through the roof. So I thought it was amazing. I've watched a ton. It was a really good show. I I thought it was going to be kind of a joke. I thought people were going to be it, like, it's such a bad concept because uh, it's kind of based around these like children's games. But then when I watched the thing, I was like, damn, they really nailed like the dramatic ass. It doesn't feel melodramatic. It it kind of has that saw aspect, but like you're really feeling for this main character. Well, and you pick up other a, characters too. They had a really good show on there about like a Hikikomori who a zombie apocalypse occurs and he's just like unable to like sustain himself. So he has to go out. And it was a really interesting idea. Like, I thought that was a really was good film. Was it called Resident just, Evil? No, it was a series. Like, it was a TV series. It gets more complicated as it goes. But I've really enjoyed a lot of the Korean content. So wow. that's the one thing they have going for them. You said you had something you wanted to say to me about Catherine. I don't have anything my... that, not necessarily that I need to say to you. But I guess to wrap it up, we need we should be talking about her as a director. Yeah. And, you know, why that why did we even discuss her? And I chose her because I wanted to talk about The Hurt Locker, which is a movie that I love and I haven't watched in a while and definitely still holds up and is out of after watching everything. I think it's her best movie still. But we got into a really good discussion because of what you brought up on the last episode about you have this woman director who's basically telling mostly masculine stories and what do these films say about her? Because she's I, the thing that I'm picking up after watching all these movies is that, like, the main genre, we keep the, every single episode, what is her genre? What is it? And we think, you know, she's good at action. She is good at action. She's the best at action, probably, than anything else. But not all her movies are action oriented. And the ways that she chooses her stories is like sometimes like the hurt locker she has a really good character and a really good idea and she wants to follow this person around and then other times it's like she seems to have more fun with it i think specifically 
it's you're we're trying to look we think is there going to be some sort of female gaze when we're watching this movie watching any of these movies and i think they're strongest in the beginning of her career like you definitely feel that even like near dark and point break feel like they have the uh the female gaze like throughout the whole thing i mean point break is like borderline gay you know like it's borderline it's it's kind of like it's almost like a romance i mean it they they it's a bromance it is a bromance they like they just have so much respect for each other like that's the movie's like what if two guys had a lot of respect for each other and make that i love you brody (laughs) yeah he really does and like even the end of that movie it's like i'm arresting you but i respect you (laughs) he's like he's like crying while he's arresting him because he doesn't want to have to do it let me let me surf this wave (laughs) you knew that i wanted to surf forever but yeah i going into it i think that the main idea of Catherine Bigelow is that she doesn't want to be told what she can do. And she, she she has done movies with female protagonists, but they aren't, they're not feminine, but they are empowering, I would say. Something like Blue Steel, which wasn't one of my favorites, like Blue Steel, The Weight of Water, Zero Dark Thirty, those are her female protagonist movies. And the way that she dissects these characters is that they are mostly masculine. They're they're doing things that you usually see, typically see men doing in this dick swinging film universe that we're like, you know, basically the movies that we, the ninety percent of the movies that we get. And I feel like that's the type of person that she is. She wants. She feels like she's got something to prove. And when you brought up, is she great representation? I don't know if she's great representation for. The voices of females she's definitely not a great representation for black america but the definition that you brought up about the the pick me thing i was reading up on that as to like more so what it is and it was like trying to get attention uh trying to get this male attention and seeking the male gaze yeah well it's not just the male gaze it's like you'll you'll one of the seeking male gaze and male approval well, yeah, I don't think that she's seeking male approval, but I also don't think that like one of the definitions was like she'll throw you'll throw other women under the bus to to get ahead. And I feel like or like she would be very disrespectful to women, and even though she doesn't have a lot of women in her movies, she definitely shows them respect when she does have. Them. Like Zero Dark 30, the main character Maya who is played by Jessica Chastain that's a prime example of like everything comes together because of this person and she even toughens up in that movie. I know we didn't discuss it in our podcast, but she literally starts off as like, you know, watching, I think the actor's John Clark, what's happening with um, this torture. And when she sees the torture working, she essentially becomes that person too. We're like, torture's okay. And I, I'll be like one of the guys and I'll be, and I'll be better than them. And I feel like maybe that's the closest aspect of what I think Catherine Bigelow has been going for. Do her female protagonists have maternal roles? No. Like, not at all? There's no, like, maternal connections to them. So that's wonderful. None of them do. There needs to be more of that. That's one of my biggest gripes. That was a big gripe before I even started my transition was I was really tired of female heroes always having to have. Like, even when you talk about Lieutenant Ripley, they still throw Newton there. I mean, unless you talk about Strange Days, because in Strange Days, 
Angela Bassett is kind of like she treats um, Ray Fine like that's her baby. <laughs> She's always protecting him. Uh, I know that's not what you mean, but like that in that movie, I get you. she's like his bodyguard. Essentially, she's his like savior and taking care of him. So I guess that's, that's as close as you're gonna get to that mommy. <laughs> that mommy. Because like when I I talked about John Carpenter, like or not John Carpenter. I'm sorry, um, James Cameron, her her ex. <laughs> uh, kind of rude he, to I keep said, bringing him up. He's not even I, in the well, picture. I said that his films all pass the Bechtel test. However, all of his films have the maternal female action here. They're all become that based on taking care of a child, not because they are that naturally. Whereas Ripley was that naturally on her own in the first Alien film. So there was no reason to bring that maternal side into the second film at all. I mean, and that, like I said, it's it really goes been a big hard in me. on it. Even the queen, like, yeah, it's mom versus it's a mom, mom fight. Yeah, it's a big mom fight. It's a mom battle. <laughs> so, um, and Terminator is another mom battle. I mean, it's yeah, it doesn't disappoint. Like some of she tries different things, and I have to give her credit for that too. Even when they don't work, like Way to Water, a lot of times felt like it was just. Like how you were talking about Near Dark. Some of it felt like it would be a made-for-TV movie. And yeah. I was like... And, and it also is a great movie that Detroit suffers from. A great example. Not a great movie. A great example of you're losing your focus with all these fucking characters. That the person that's supposedly the protagonist doesn't even feel like they are the protagonist of this movie. And also, interesting, because I, I know you didn't see The Weight of Water... But the folk, the focus, the primary focus is on a like a, a female serial killer, essentially, or a murderer. Yeah. And the same thing, and that's not supposed to be the protagonist of that movie, which kind of mirrors the Will Porter thing in Detroit, where it's like you're following him more than any other character. Detroit, I don't think it's terrible, but I definitely feel like since it needs work, it it's probably a failure i would say narratively yeah a failure i think so you're saying her strength is small casts like small groups strong she works better with strong small groups. focus because yeah because even like hurt locker where her locker is a very small group it like is it's focused on three dudes so yeah it really is you don't really venture too far out but like even something like near dark where you get a little bit more characters too but it's really only focused on like four people. Don't go past four I mean, people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, That's she's got funny. she's got like a couple of extra side characters who don't really have a whole lot of story, but like her focal cast is about either that three, or give her a TV show. Like, give five. her ten hours to 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 do a couple characters to flesh stuff out. Yeah, I don't know if she would do TV. It doesn't sound like it's something she would be interested in. She kind of is. Netflix is television. Right. Um, yeah. But John Boyega's, like, I can't ever, I would say his name 50 times differently every time that we talk about him. John, John Boyega. I do think that, like Chuck said, they are, he was based off of, like, this real character, so they felt like they needed to have him in the story, when at the end of the day, he was not very important to the to the overall picture of what was going on. Uh, yeah. I don't even think it would have been better going through, like, his eyes completely. Maybe if... Instead of having that character, the security guard character, what if you took him and made him the character that you thought was the bodyguard, the kid that gets shot, 
And then you would have had him and the the singer guy, and those two were the strongest like actors. At least as far the as bodyguard kid had a choice. Like he literally makes a choice at the end of the movie, knowing the consequences. Yeah. That's a good climax to me. From what you've seen, what would you say would be her strongest films? Like, what do you like the best? Obviously, what's your favorite movie of hers? It's been years, but I still think Point Break is a absolute masterpiece of action. And I think that her being raw, her rawness carries over to the film, which you could say, well, it's not as refined as Hurt Locker, but that that rawness adds to the flavor of the movie because it's already a fairly raw film to begin with, where they're just like extreme sports dudes, like robbing shit, like on the fly and like looking for a fix. So the camera work in that works really well, the, the, the way that it's done. I think Hurt Locker is her strongest film but i do not for the life of me think it was worth an academy award i just More think it so was than a good avatar movie. <sighs> maybe not inglorious bastards though. that's a great movie oh my god movie's terrible <laughs> you know anytime you, you just like quickly say something's terrible i think we're gonna have to do an episode on that because you need to explain yourself that's fair I have a strange story that goes along with my viewing of um, Inglorious Bastards. I saw it in Pittsburgh. Well, not Pittsburgh. I saw it in that little movie theater that's like down the road from Bel Vernon. It's in your area. I saw it there. I was in your area for a minute. We remember. I saw how shitty it is. <laughs> I saw the rusted holes. I mean, it's not the worst. Occasionally a bus falls into the ground or a bridge collapses, but. Not the There's worst. a YouTuber I watch. It's called Regular Car Reviews, where he just like reviews regular people's cars, and uh, it's really funny. But it's all done in Pennsylvania, and I think he like films in the area like where the school was. So the whole time I watch it, I'm just like, I know this area. A lot of filming going on there now. Yeah, there is. Chuck, I know you said the Hurt Locker. Is that still? Are you? I mean, you you talked pretty highly of Point Break as well. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to say the same thing Lexi did. Like, I think Point Break might be the most, uh, maybe the most satisfying film of hers to watch because it is just, it is great. But yeah, maybe Hurt Locker is just, just more accomplished just from her getting better as a director in the, the 10, 15 years between those two films. But I, I would say definitely, I wouldn't say I'm glad I picked Detroit. I mean, I guess it was a, it was one that not anyone had seen before. So that was, I, that might be, I'm a glad you picked it. I commend I went through your the whole choice. Absolutely. It might be, yeah. it might be a first to go with the film that not a single person has seen. Usually at least one of us has seen the film before, but, but the outcome was so good yeah. because we all didn't like it. it a, yeah, and we it all were like, we all, this was like the first time we've had a genuine like film building discussion. We're like, let me tell you, this is how this film should have been done. Yeah. <laughs> we're all, we, we all, all have like, our scissors out. We're like, this is what yeah. we need to do. Yeah, this is where we need to make cuts. But like everybody was on the same page with it. We're like, do this, fix that cut here. I we think need, it was like, a really Godard fun to discussion. edit this film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it led to, it, it was it at least led to a good discussion. That's the worst. If like, if the movie's bad, but then it's like, but then you just don't have anything to say. Like, it's just, there's films that are just bad in a way that you can't even talk about them. They're just not there's it's like, no, there's no fixing this film. Like there's nothing making it better. This was at least like <laughs> you can point to things. It. Yeah, this is at least a film that you could point. We to have had those movies them. or uh, I think one of the worst discussions we had was Spaceballs. It was like, what do you how do you how do you even yeah. talk about a parody? I don't think we were prepared to talk about a parody at all. That was like our that was like episode six or something by that point. Like I was I was way too early to get into 
get into something like that. I think the worst thing I ever had to do was when Jacob picked um, Not of This World, and then he figured out that there is like two remakes of Not of This World, and all of them were done by Corman. So he like remade his movie twice, and like every one was worse than the other, and none of them were good. Like they were all the worst film I've ever seen, and it just like progressively got like worse and worse. That was the hardest discussion I've ever had to have because I was like, I don't even know what to fucking say. I'm like, these are like the worst movies I've ever seen. I'm like, where do you start? Where do you start? That show was hard, man. Oh my God. That show was so hard to do sometimes. <laughs> when we did Invasion of the Body Snatchers, what was that? Five? six movies like it was really really hard to get through and some of those remakes are rough (laughs) especially the 90s one overall i am glad that you picked the movie chuck because it forced me to watch something new it was a good movie to discuss you're right about that i i didn't i don't hate it but it definitely needed more work and we definitely had a good discussion based off of it yeah I can't say I hated it either, but I definitely never want to watch it again. Yeah. Well, uh, it might be hard to because we watched it th- three weeks ago from the time that this recording came out, and uh, it's already off of Paramount yeah. Plus. So it basically, yeah. I mean, every movie of hers that I tried to watch, I, I basically had to watch it on some obscure website because you couldn't even rent it. You couldn't rent the movie anywhere. You couldn't watch it any anywhere. I think. Um, Blue Steel was on like Voodoo or something, Tubi, and I was like, perfect. But nothing else was. I'm like, what is going on? The most a- a- accessible movie of hers is The Hurt Locker. I think like that's the that's like the number one movie you can find anywhere. I will say like as prolific as she is, and the films that she has under her belt, you'd think that there would be more discussion about her as an individual in in Hollywood, and there would be more respect garnered to her i mean she's definitely got some like classics under her belt like not cult films like classics like proper and i mean that's something to be proud of is to like make genre defining films and be able to jump to different genres and create multiple genre defining films even if upon second viewings they're not maybe as good as you remember your dark was a little shocking i was like i remember this being a better movie but as the opposite i thought it was better than i remembered it i was like (laughs) (laughs) but you know like it was like it we all kind of had the same kind of roller coaster experience through all of this i i got mad i talked about things and what have you so it was a it was a roller coaster month it was fun no it's good i think that this was a good topic i think you touched on something yeah actually the last couple spike lee was a good month too yeah uh we'll see how next month goes you guys picked like good directors to like get discussions and i'm like how about neil blomkamp (laughs) i don't think blomkamp Blomkamp was bad but it's also like it's hard to get a grasp of of this person as a director i think with just the three movies that they have and nothing else Next month, and then well, Corrin actually, was weird. a little bit of September, September 30th, we're going to start essentially our Halloween time because we're coming up to our anniversary episode. So our director, we're still sticking with directors. We're going to do Wes Craven. We're going to discuss four of his movies, and we will end October like we usually do with a, a anniversary episode where we'll be discussing Halloween Ends, which is just kind of 
coming full circle since we started the podcast with John Carpenter's Halloween. May I ask why you picked Wes Craven? I was thinking a horror director of some of some sort, and we've covered so much Carpenter, and Carpenter's not always like a straight he's all horror over. director. No, he's got a lot of action under his belt. He's even got some sci-fi. I mean, we could have done like something newer. We could have done like a Jordan Peele or something like that, but he comes to my mind as a horror director, and I'm thinking like more modern, director. like James Wan makes a lot of horror, but he also... You know, he ventures into Fast and Furious and yeah, and other. I think he did like Star Trek. But Juan definitely created his own horror universe. I think that's worth discussing there because those this, he's makes ghost movies. Like he's definitely the ghost movie director. And I mean, like, that might actually be a good things to discuss at one point. And he created was, Saw. He basically built the entire Saw franchise because he made the first film. So yeah, like, but which, but the point, I guess, I what I'm where i'm going sorry with it is, no you're not cutting me off or anything i uh, just think that wes craven is more of a straight up horror movie for like almost every entry i think is a horror movie unless you know you want to yeah, say eh, it's more of a thriller i mean or this is a very much... goofy horror movie <laughs> he's done he's done every kind of horror to be perfectly honest i mean he does Wishmaster, right that's him nope no which one's that one i, I don't think that's a no name no, it's. Are you sure? I'm gonna double check that one because the Wishmaster series is. Oh shit! It's John Carpenter. No, I, I don't have that. <laughs> no, it's not Carpenter. I thought it was Wes Craven. No, Robert Kurtzman. There you go. Oh, Kurtzman. That's right. It's the K and K and B. That's right. That's right. I like those movies. Uh, you could also talk about Toby Hooper. He's a very prolific horror director. There are some of his movies. I would love to talk about Poltergeist because. Oh, me too. I love I those. I think movies. that's a prime example of. A, a movie where like i mean we all know that spielberg had a lot to do with on that movie but it definitely does not for sure it definitely feels like his movie like how does it have he just happens to be on set and it gets his tone right i think that that one i would cover all three of them if you can because the story of all of them is really interesting and the fact that the little girl in the series like dies immediately after like filming them it's kind of it's got like a lot, a lot of people of died i think lore. The, like the daughter was like stabbed yeah. by somebody and the poltergeist films have like cursed film history around them they're considered like some of the most cursed film productions ever done i don't even know that if we did we do a poltergeist episode chuck yeah we did just the so we did polter, poltergeist and i think technically is the old podcast but i talked about get out before I don't mind revisiting things, though. I just think as long as it's not like something we did within the like last two or three years, it's game. I mean, I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. I'll always talk about him. Midnight Meat Train's awesome. No, that one's not his best. Well, you can't say he he's awesome, and then I bring up one movie, and you're just like, nope. that. Okay, here's the thing. The book about the book is excellent. The movie's bad. And so it's just one of those things where, yeah, like, I read the book, a, and I'm a, a huge of fan of the book. There's a lot of between that one, yeah. And like, like the books of blood are so good. And I just like, I don't know, Midnight Me Trying could have been so awesome because I was like, I love the book. So I was really excited about the movie and it just really fell flat for me. So I couldn't get into that one. But I mean, Hellraiser, that's his series. And we're getting into Night Hellraiser. Nightbreed is excellent. Nightbreed is excellent. I mean, those movies are so good. I'm a huge Clive Barker fan. Except for and Midnight he's like, Me Trying the movie. Well, and then you get to talk about gay horror because, like, Clive Barker is kind of, like, super, super ultra gay bondage horror. I like how you started it with kind of, like, like, kind of, it's kind of totally, yeah, kind of entirely. 
just just There's gay. A little hint Super gay. It, yeah. yeah. But uh, we'll be back and we'll be starting up our horror month. I'm excited. I think we have a good selection of films from Craven. They the better be good because I have a DVD set that has uh, all three of them together, so they must be his best. Yeah, they oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. We've chosen his best. So Justin offered me, Justin gave me a choice, and I was like, uh, which one's the one that's on that DVD? Yeah, we're doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Well, we were basically between like three things, and we were very indecisive, so I was like, Chuck's the tiebreaker. So I just, we just gave you all three choices, and you, uh, you made the decision. Thank you for listening. Stick with us. Two weeks from now, we'll see you again. Bye. We are Cinema de More. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.